Welcome to the Christchurch Oceanside Podcast, a faith community on Vancouver Island within the Anglican Network in Canada. We invite you to check out our website at ChristchurchOceanside.ca, or if you're on Vancouver Island, join us on a Sunday in the News Bay. Today's message is brought to you by our pastor, Father Ryan Matchett. We hope you enjoy. Bless you. from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 8, beginning in verse 18 to the end of verse 22. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to you, Lord Christ. Welcome back to the Christ Church Oceanside podcast. Father Ryan here, and today we are wrapping up our little mini-series on this text of Scripture on the true nature of discipleship. Now, verse 19 and 20, Jesus makes the small print big for any new follower and just breaks down the fact that following him as one of his apprentices is going to change your relationship with possessions that you're going to have a transcendent relationship, meaning we move from desperate dependence on things, on people, and on even positions of power or whatever, to tell us our, our identity and worth, to then knowing our identity in and through Jesus, knowing our worth in Him. So, Following Jesus is also a following Jesus out of the slavery of consumerism into being defined and being directed in our lives by love. So that's a big thing that we covered in the previous week. Now, this week, what we're looking at is verse 21 and 22. And here we're introduced to another nameless potential apprentice who desires to follow Jesus but offers his own caveat, his own kind of uh, qualification to go, I want to follow you, but. And so we're going to look at that. So verse 21, here's what it says. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, I want you to imagine you are in this man's position. You hear Jesus. You see Jesus and what he does. And you desire with everything in your being to pick up and follow him. 
Like you love what you hear. You love what you see and you want to get in on it. But you got to make a decision now because Jesus is leaving. That's the context of this story here. He's about to get in a boat. So now is the moment. But you have other responsibilities. You feel the weight of your family obligations. And I think in the ancient world, we have to understand it's a lot different than our very individualistic lives now. Back then, your family was your primary identity. You were someone's son or daughter, and that was how you introduced yourself to other people. That's how other people knew you. They knew you because of your place within the family unit. You were not just your own. You were part of something bigger. Your birth order defined your status, your family's origin, their value system and culture was your story. And the expectations you lived to fulfill came from them. And the obligations that you carried were family obligations. So you can't make this decision without thinking, what would they think? What would my family think if I just picked up and left? Who would take on my responsibilities? Who would fulfill my obligations? And what if... What if these are the final months or years of my father's life? His health hasn't been well. Things have not been have go, been going well for him. And, and we've been preparing to say goodbye to him. Now probably isn't a good time to take up a new apprenticeship. And, and God wouldn't want me to disappoint my family, right? So if this is you, what do you do? Well, you probably do what he does. He goes to Jesus. And what he does is he shows his true desire to follow him, to be with him, to learn from him, right? By going and talking to him directly. That he's showing what he wants is to take on Jesus's way as his way. But then what he does is he kind of transfers or projects the struggle that he's feeling onto Jesus. Right? I want to come, but I have to bury my father. What's he looking for here? I think he's looking for Jesus' agreement. I think he's looking for a little bit of Jesus' commiseration. And hopefully, affirmation. You know, like that Jesus would say something something like, Oh, too bad. I, I understand. You should go do that. Maybe next time, eh? I mean, I say this kind of stuff all the time to people. They come to our church. They want to grow in Jesus. They want to be disciples. But then when it comes time to like, okay, here's the commitment. People are like, well, you know, there's a lot of other factors here. And and I'm, I'm Canadian. So I'm like, oh, I get it, man. I get it. Maybe now it's just not the time. No big deal. Is this what Jesus does? Nope. Verse 22 Jesus says this, follow me. Now, I, I know there's a whole other sent, like rest of the sentence that's coming here, and it's a jarring sentence. But what the words that follow this aren't actually the main point of this sentence. So I want to stop. I want to stop by just saying, follow me. The point of the whole sentence is those two words, follow me. 
And with these two words, Jesus establishes the universal standard and definition for what is the highest good for humanity, to follow him. There is nothing in heaven or on earth which can rightly displace this priority. Now, here's the thing. I think it's easier to accept this truth when you're comparing it with lesser pursuits and priorities. Like, you know, it's easy to go, it's better to follow Jesus than to watch TV. I think we all go, yeah, that's true. We, we know that. Harder to do that, but we know that. Where it gets really hard, though, is to accept this truth when it requires a rearrangement of your highest priorities. The things that take up the most space that weigh on you constantly when Jesus says, I actually want to reorient those. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing with the rest of this sentence. He's doing it first by saying, just follow me. This is what's good and what's right and what's ultimate. And what we'll get into, your truest self is here. But also, it's going to change everything. And it creates quite a, a distance to go, following me is this high, and these other things are going to feel comparatively low when you see how high of a standard it is or, or importance or priority it is to follow me. Because the highest priority is Jesus. So then what's the next part of the sentence? I think this is the heavy part for a lot of us. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, John Calvin explains it simply like this. Jesus means that the calling of God is so urgent and the time of following him so short that there is no room for delay. In this sense, to seek leisure for burying the dead is inconsistent with the character of a disciple. And I think Calvin gets at this really core point. We'll, we'll unpack the family piece in a second. But I think here's the other part of like human life. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something that's going to tempt us to say, I'll follow Jesus after this. Right? These are the kinds of phrases that people say and that I say and that I hear all the time. Starting next week. I'll follow Jesus. Now we don't we don't actually say I'll follow Jesus. We we say other things, you know, be more consistent. Um, I'll consider doing pilgrimage. I'll I'd like to use the daily office, you know, do my morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. Um, you know, do Lent, because that's coming up for us, right? Starting next week, or once this is over. I'll be able to when, you know, things are busy at work and are just busy with the kids right now. Or maybe some more specific things. My wife isn't really into it. Or my husband doesn't want me to. Or maybe things like my mom needs me right now. And family obligations are especially difficult. 
Why? Because they are meaningful relationships, of course, but also because they are our subconscious definitions of righteousness. Hear me out on this. Our families give us our subconscious definitions of what's right and wrong. And often what's central to that is what's right is to serve the family, benefit the family, uh, submit to the family system. And your unique family will have unique expectations and obligations of you. And I think the point that Jesus is getting at here is that it's very easy because those are such high things that we value. It's easy for those things to be co-opted to keep you from following Jesus. It's interesting because the higher we hold something in value, in some ways, the more of a threat it is to our discipleship. Now, the things we most value, we do so because they're valuable. What we're trying to figure out here, though, is we're, we're creating a tier to say, Jesus is saying, true followers of me, I have to be top tier. In order for my way to work in your life, my way has to be above all the other ways. See, you can't follow the way of Jesus and expect the benefits, the salvation of the way of Jesus to permeate your life if there are certain things that are above the way of Jesus. And this is very important. And I think that's why it's so uncomfortable for us when Jesus goes, nah, man. Let the dead bury the dead. I'm a higher priority than these obligations. Because here's what it means. Following Jesus requires submitting the sense of identity, the priorities, and the values that we have come to receive from our clan or country. They all have to be submitted to him all of it, in order that he would have authority over it to, to restructure it, to change it, redeem it. And I'll talk about that in a second. What this does not mean, though, is that your family or your clan or your culture is dead to you. It just means that who you are, what you do, what you value, and how you live is ultimately going to be determined by Jesus himself. That means our family, clan, and culture is loved by and valued by Christ enough that it's going to share in the redemption of Christ. But this also means that Jesus is going to reframe some of those pieces, some of those values, some of those expectations and obligations. Jesus is going to reorder those things. He's going to sanctify them, make them holy. And sometimes he's going to reject the parts that are not congruent with him or good for you. Jesus, is that uncomfortable for families to consider? <laughs> okay, but what we're saying is that Jesus is so good. He's even better than our good families. Jesus is so faithful. That he's, he's the one that can handle our dysfunctional parts of our families. Because here's the thing. If it's not good with the way of Jesus, 
the way our family functions or the value system and priorities we have, then it's not good for you. And if it's not good for you, it's not good for the family, the clan, or the country either. Again, hear me. This does not mean that we're doing away with family, or we're doing away with clan, or we're doing away with country. This does not mean that the church is meant to be colorblind or culturally homogenous. It means that all families and all cultures can be fully present, alive, and expressed within the church under Christ. I think this is an important point because historically in Canada, the church has said, you know, quotes the scriptures, there's no barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, for we're all one in Christ, while functionally holding family norms and cultural norms as their authoritative definition of what Jesus expects. That's unhealthy because what ends up happening is churches go, all the other cultures need to change to become a part of us without realizing that they have their own culture. And they're misunderstanding their culture as Jesus's culture. And they're just, they're colorblind to that, <laughs> to their own culture forming authoritative expectations and obligations. But what the way of Jesus offers is for us to go, Jesus is the highest good. And then all families, all cultures, and all clans have that in common. And because Jesus is at work in all families, cultures, and clans, we can also say Jesus has redeemed expressions of these cultures. You know, there's salvation pieces of going, we could see where our culture is prone to these sinful and destructive habits. Or my family is prone to doing things this way, but now in Jesus we see that this is the healthier way, the better way, the beautiful way, the good way. And so the good of our family continues while sharing in salvation as well. This is kind of the picture of it. Now, that's some of the communal, ecclesiological church benefits of that. But when it comes time to the actual, like, wrestle, am I going to make Jesus my highest authority even over my family? Am I going to make my identity as an apprentice even higher than the position that I hold within my family? Am I going to make my obligations as a disciple higher than my obligations to even my children? Do you see, I'm sure, like me, you can feel the intensity of like, how do I make those things work together? And I think it always brings us back to that question we always come to with every text. How is this good news? And I think the way of Jesus and us as apprentices offers by this high standard of what it means to be a follower, I think it offers a few things to us. The first is relief from the ways and expectations of imperfect families and clans as the highest authority. 
Because I think those things are either in the front of your mind or they're in the back of your mind, but they're always there. They're always pressing on your conscious self going, you have got expectations you need to live up to. You've got obligations to fulfill. So I think the way of Jesus in going, how about you make me your highest authority is going to provide some relief to that pressure. I think the way of Jesus also offers redemption from destructive patterns and the exhausting pursuit of fulfilling those expectations and obligations, right? Of going, there's there's expectations that are so ingrained in me that I keep doing them even though I don't want to do them. There are obligations that I can't seem to get away from. That They always creep up and somehow I'm living under them again. Jesus offers redemption. And part of the redemption is by saying, Jesus is my teacher. Jesus is my rabbi. I am an apprentice and a disciple of him. So he has the highest authority to determine my priorities, the expectations I agree to, and the obligations I'm pursuing. So I think the next piece is that the way of Jesus gives us clarity on what the good way is. Because this, you have this sense always of, I know what... It's expected of me from our families and and from our backgrounds. I know what I want to do. How do I make sense of those two things? Jesus is the deal breaker where he gets to come in and go, I'll decide what's good and what's not. I will bring clarity to what you should pursue and what you should not. Because we need that. We need to know what should I do and what shouldn't I do. And Jesus is going to work with you as his follower to discern that rightly. Oh, man, is that good news. So we have relief. We've got redemption. We've got clarity. But also, I think there's security. That what defines our identity and our value is not achieving these external expectations. So our identity is not in process based on our achievements. Our value is not in question. Those things are answered in him as his beloved apprentices. Because really, here's the deal. Our apprenticeship is is to adoption. That's what we're learning about. Like we're apprenticing what it means to be a child a child of a loving father. Now, here's the next thing I think the, Je- the way of Jesus offers us on this front is clear, is direction. Because now I'm stating the highest good that I'm pursuing is following Jesus. My purpose and my calling is to be an apprentice and that there's clarity on that which gives me direction that I know what I'm living for. I know what I'm pursuing. I know my direction of where my life is headed. And that's not determined on my career, which is really nice because careers change a lot nowadays. It's not determined on my pay. 
It's not determined on what my family thinks I should do or expects of me. My purpose is determined by Jesus and by being his follower. The last thing that I think the way of Jesus offers, I mean, we, there's so many things, but the last thing I'll say today is this. I think it's reconciliation. Because following Jesus puts me in the right position and posture to rightly relate with my family and my clan in love. Here's the truth. The best thing for your father, for your mother, for your spouse, for your child, for your friends, for your clients, etc., is for you to know who you are in Christ, to stand in your forgiveness, to be growing in genuine love for others, and to walk in your convictions with integrity. That's the best thing for your family. That's the best thing for those around you, is for you to be most fully you in Christ and like Christ. Here's a hard truth, I think, for people to come to terms with. Without the relief of the way of Jesus, you're in a strained relationship with your family. Without the redemption of the way of Jesus, I think you are struggling under the expectations and obligations. There's a part of you that's like kicking against it all the time. And without the way of Jesus, you lack a sense of security about your identity and your value because it's all dependent on how the family feels about you. And without the way of Jesus, you'll lack clarity on what is actually good because what you grew up with isn't going to be a perfect goodness. That there's going to be healthy things you learn from your family and unhealthy things. So you're going to let, you're going to have confusion in this life of going, wow, my family did it this way. But now when I do that in the workplace, that does not work. And that's not working for me. And without the way of Jesus, there isn't clear direction because you have this sense of what your family expects of you. But you also have this part of you that's going, I feel I'm made for other things. And what that all leads to is that without the way of Jesus, you're actually already in a broken state of relationship with your family. That it's complicated and it's frustrated. But in the way of Jesus, we get to relate to our families differently from this more stable, secure place. We're not, dis- we're not cutting them off and disconnected. What we're saying is that the best thing for my father, mother, spouse, child, friends, clients, etc. is for me to know Christ, to know who I am in Christ to be living like Christ and to do so with conviction and and confidence and integrity. We will never have those things if we do not have the one thing. We will never have all of those things and a right relationship with our families 
if we are not fully sold out apprentices of Jesus. The only way we become those things, where we see the benefits, where we see who Jesus is to have those benefits in our life, to see the work of salvation save our lives, to see the good that we long to do happening in our lives. The only way to see that is to fully give yourself to following Jesus, to trust him, receive him, love him, and be saved by him. So it it all leads to the same place where we, like these disciples that came to Jesus to say, I want to follow you, We have to make a choice where we say everything is laid down. Maybe not forever, but everything is laid down, so to speak, that I might take hold of you, Jesus. Trusting that you will lead me into right relationship with all of these things of which in my heart I have laid down. But the command... The invitation that rings true through the universe forever are these two words of Jesus. Follow me. This is how you best understand who you are. This is how you best taste of salvation. This is how you find the security you long for and the clarity you've been looking for. And this is what will give you your sense of direction and purpose for life and reconcile the broken relationships you have with those who mean most to you. Follow Jesus. This, my friends, is the way of Jesus. Amen.